0: Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Travis, joined by my main man, Matt, or Matthew, as they call him in Kansas City, more proper, uh, in the neighborhood you grew up in. Am I right?
1: Yeah, it's more of a pinkies up type of deal. Pinkies Matthew up. Matthew Denny. With the
0: the tea. No iced tea, hot tea. Where you come from, am I correct?
1: Hot tea. Uh, yes, yeah, saucers on a plate. <laughs> no... No mugs by themselves.
0: You have joined us here at the at the front end of July. Uh, Eli has just preached, did a great job, and we're still going through Romans. Uh, you'll be preaching in a couple of weeks. So, are, are you talking are you, to you, me, or are you talking yeah, to yeah, the I'm talking, audience? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to to you. Are you ready to preach in, on the 23rd? Yeah, everyone needs to know Matt's preaching on July 23rd.
1: Um. Yes right now.
0: Give us give us a snapshot of what you are preaching about.
1: Paul said, and then I'll explain from there. Okay. What Paul meant was, and that'll be the second point.
0: This will be a good question that maybe people don't know. How long does it take you to prepare a message, man?
1: Oh, a couple of years. What about you? <laughs> this is an annoying answer that Travis always gives me cuz I over prepare for things. I don't want to say you under prepare for things, but you prepare for things. You found the middle ground between over and under. And so I will, I'll ask Travis every now and then how, how long it takes him to prep a sermon. So that was his joke right there. And his answer, a couple of years.
0: Okay. That's a fun way to answer it. It may not be the most realistic way because it, uh, I say it takes a couple of years because if I use a story from six weeks ago or two years ago, or I use a story of my childhood or whatever to illustrate something, I mean like, or Sometimes I'll have, uh, something that I, you know, remember and, uh, that gets used in, in preparing for a message. It's not like I just pulled it that week. So, um, it's not in a vacuum. It's, it's Mm -hmm. over the years that you prepare messages and stuff like that. So full circle, I think being a preacher means your life is, um, sermon illustration ready has to be. Right, mm-hmm. so that's why I say years. As far as time goes, probably ten to fifteen hours is is probably time spent on a, on a message. Yeah, I would. I would more,
1: think more, probably for me. Well, more. Your,
0: your sermons are better than mine. You spend more time; it's it's better.
1: Which is why I preach every week,
0: like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but good preachers think they should preach every
1: week. Amen. I thought while we were waiting for the people in the crowd to say amen. <laughs> sure, dude. They want
0: to, and there's there's a I was, I heard an Andy Stanley quote that was like, uh, "You, yeah, he, Matt doesn't like Andy Stanley. Um, Matt doesn't like anyone that is popular because that means they can't be godly." Is that the correct way? I would It's put generally
1: that? those that are still alive. <laughs> like Any, Tim Tim Keller just got cool. That was that one felt dark. I'm sorry. That is not okay. <laughs> sorry, guys.
0: <laughs> out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Wow, you're, read, you're but you know what? You're reading a book by him right now. I am. You're reading the Prodigal Prophet. We're we're both actually kind of going to the Prodigal Prophet right now, so so it's not it's it's out of love.
1: I feel like I'd like to apologize for the last thing I said. Okay, Apolo- I, to but who? generally, to <laughs> but generally, I just to everyone with sensibilities. Why, I generally do like guys who have uh, who are older and have passed away
0: yeah why why is it that uh we can't like people who are popular, even popular teachers? why is there like a cynicism toward against the popularity
1: um part of it is the cynicism part uh is because there's cynicism in me that I gotta root out um but I think. I think probably more realistically the the reason why I like to read guys that are older and dead is that there's been time for for the chaff to burn up from what they like the stuff that is that is a fad that maybe they taught like if it didn't stand the test of time it wouldn't people wouldn't yeah. read it now, so with older there are plenty of older old, older preachers and writers that I'm not reading, and yeah. part of it I think is because they're their stuff didn't, hasn't, hasn't been as, like, timeless, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I get that. I, uh, one of the things that he said that, that, I, that I liked when it comes to other leaders being around you is— you, Oh, we're back to the Andy Stanley yeah. after that little
1: deviation. You <laughs> actually
0: it. want uh, other leaders around you who think they can do things better than you. That that's not actually a bad sign. The reason it's a good sign is because a leader has some ambition and has some like drive to want to do things well. And you, and the only way for them to do things well is to think, okay, I want to do this. I I think I can do this better. And Hmm. um, if they can, they will. If they can't, they won't. And so ultimately, it's like it's going to, the chips will fall where they may be dependent upon whether or not like it is uh, out of like, uh, a confidence of they they think they can um, and they and they do. That's It's, it's going to be fruit is in. It's going to you're going to see the fruit basically. Yeah,
1: which is so, why Travis loves keeping me around to tell him when he has misquoted someone, which or quoted someone who was quoting someone else without giving the original person right. The credit. poor
0: beggars where there's were were nothing but poor beggars leading other poor beggars to where there's bread. Yeah, and I quoted that as D. A. Carson and you.
1: He's quoting someone me. else. I think, who, his, name is, is I think his
0: name is D.T. Miles. Yeah. D.T. Miles. Um. And the question then becomes, did he quote someone? Impossible. He would not have. That would have been the
1: original quote. You don't know DT like I know D.T. What's another DT quote? Don't misquote me, D. A. Carson. <laughs> 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 I don't
0: know. Um no, that's that's uh that's good. Um Let's, you know, we talk about that, that can be, a, that can also be like, uh, there can be insecurity in leaders and there can be insecurity when you uh, teach, it can be mm-hmm. just insecurity in your job, insecurity in your performance, there can be insecurity in a lot of different things. So, um, Matt, tell us your top three insecurities.
1: Um, when, when people read things that I've written out loud, which happened earlier, I... I genuinely enjoy uh, taking my thoughts and putting them on paper, which is one of the reasons why it takes me longer to prep a sermon, I think, other than just not, I don't do it every week, is that I process more with a pen in hand than I do just speaking. Um, So I really love to write. So with our blog, I like to... to share my my thoughts or things that God's working on in my heart and so a minute ago I was telling Travis about something I wrote and he likes to make fun of me for my titles because I like to get real existential and like dark I think I'm, every now and then I like to make them up <clears throat> like really dark titles and see if I can convince Travis that I actually wrote something on there and then he he kind of slides around in his seat a little bit like oh no people (laughs) do that um but but travis was reading one of the things that i had written recently in front of me that makes me insecure that was a real one i thought you
0: were going to make i thought you were going to joke about
1: Uh, i had a guy at the y this morning tell me that i wasn't inclined benching right so that made me insecure and then I was preaching it. I was teaching at the Vietnamese Baptist Church, actually, a couple weeks ago. Uh, shout out tweevie if you're listening to this. Um, and Travis has pushed me on, on maybe not just putting myself in a corner and over-preparing on everything all of the time. So we were doing the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew, and I got one of the people wrong. And tweevie was like, I don't think you did that right. And then she proceeded to explain who the person was while everyone was looking at me. And I think I, I think I turned pretty red. I was pretty insecure about that.
0: What are your insecurities? Um, my insecurities are uh, everything around probably performance. Um, my insecurities are found in that I constantly need to learn how to live in intimacy with God and not just performing. And so insecurities around uh, am I... Insecurity, I mean, everything that's important to me probably has an insecurity in it. Mm-hmm. So I want to be a good leader. Insecurity of I'm not. Yeah. Um, and probably a deeper insecurity of I'll be found out as not. The insecurity of, like, I'm an imposter.
1: Yep. Yeah. Imposter
0: syndrome and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would think every... Every single thing I value or desire to be ha- comes with it an element of an insecurity. Yeah. So you can look at that as like strengths and weaknesses.
1: And so. Oh, are we just going to keep doing th- I have more that came to my mind. We just keep, keep doing going. this. Yeah. Uh, a big insecurity I have is, which I think I've heard you say, like not being, not, I won't even put it on you, like not producing enough or being good enough at something. And the idea that someone would think that I don't work hard. Yeah. Resonates. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, or like, were you saying
0: yeah for sure, dude? You? No, I'm. I'm just agreeing that that's mm-hmm. that's there's a, there's probably an insecurity there for mm-hmm.
1: sure. Uh, my ankles as well. I don't like wearing short socks around people. Um, insecurity would be having a full conversation with someone, talking intimate like about intimacy, about my life, without turning it into a joke at some point, like I did with my socks.
0: Insecure, I'm trying to think of a good way to even define, like, I think anything that you are, anything that you're hiding is revealing at some level an insecurity. Hmm. Because the insecurity is you don't feel secure. If you feel secure with something, about something, then you don't mind if people see it, wonder about it, whatever. But if you are insecure about it, you're afraid of people discovering it and noticing it and that kind of coming to the surface. And so the saddest thing I think about insecurities is that um, it keeps us from deep relationships with people, Mm -hmm. keeps us kind of in our corners away from one another. It can be a tool that Satan uses to like grab a foothold on us and say, Mm -hmm. you're this or that. Um, We can believe a lot of lies about ourselves if we just kind of view our life through the lens of our insecurities and that sort of thing. So Mm-hmm. they They can be on our minds often,
1: yeah well, it can know? be it can be motivating in order to like it can be a motivating tool as well, like sometimes my insecurity drives me to want to not in a good motivation but like can want me to be like better at a certain thing, like leading discussion or teaching or guiding a conversation so that it doesn't come back to me, so I still have control if that makes sense, sure,
0: yes. Yeah. So, um, well yeah. and that can actually that that's probably prevalent like when people control oftentimes is most seen around what we are insecure mm-hmm. about yeah because we know it's a deficiency or a perceived deficiency yeah and so we're like we don't want anyone to see this and so let's just whatever we're hiding we got to make sure we cover it really well Yeah. With something in. That can actually make us look stronger in some ways. And really, it's just really, we've just like really um, patterned ourselves uh, over our insecurity so that you can't see
1: deep down. Right. You overcompensate too. Sermon analogy. uh, A guy at the gym that that doesn't do leg day. Yes. Super strong up top, chickeny at the bottom. And he hides the insecurity by wearing sweats. Mm Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Can't mean, you know, that, that kind of thing. So we hide insecurity. We're afraid of insecurity. We're, you know, all those kinds of things. Hmm. Uh, Reminds me of what um, David Foster Wallace, he wrote a lot of different things, um, dark ending to his life. Yeah. But he, I, I, I've, I've used him, um, especially when you think about like what it looks like to be confused and lost, not in the sense of like you're, uh, you know, crazy immoral or you're not smart just in the sense that you you're a lost person is someone who hasn't found their home in Jesus. Hmm. They're looking for purpose and relationship and value in every single facet of their life. They have not found it. And that's because Jesus is the only real source of that. So Mm -hmm. like they're lost and wandering but he says he said uh this that you'll worry less about what people think about you when you realize how seldom they do most of our insecurities exist um because we're thinking about other people finding out about them hmm. and people noticing them and seeing them and our greatest fear is that people will notice what we're insecure about yeah um, and so there's a powerful sentiment in, it, in what he's saying, that you'll worry less about what people think about you when you realize how seldom they actually do.
1: Hmm.
0: Make, makes me think that oftentimes we are thinking a lot about our insecurities because we think about them so much, we assume everyone else around us sees them and is thinking about them with the same with the same... Um, energy but really they're not they're not thinking about us like that they're not seeing us like that they're probably not thinking about you as often as you think that they're thinking about you and we said earlier when we were talking you could see that and be like oh man yeah I'm I'm a a piece of crap that no one thinks about or cares about and that can be kind of a dark way to think about it or you can look at it and say no, like they aren't thinking about you as often as you think they are because they have their own world, their own life, their own relationships that they're in the middle of thinking about and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, and part of the reason why this conversation is really significant, just like time-wise, is because we're going through the book of Romans, we were in Romans 12 a couple weeks ago, and you were uh, discussing the the gifts that God has given us, as well as just like humility, how we receive those gifts and um there the I think you used a quote or the Bible just talking about like humility is I think it may have been that passage actually actually like it's we none of us should think about ourselves differently than how we are. I don't know if that's specifically I was well
0: he starts with Romans twelve is like be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then the first thing is like to use
1: sober judgment yeah. about yourself there's a I, there's a quote that somebody. I think kindly, maybe as a weapon used against me from Charles Spurgeon, which is like uh, humility is is thinking of you of yourself appropriately and the the accurately, w- accurately, yeah, yeah, right, right. So humility is if is is not being like like bloviating and and being braggadocious, like I am more than I am, but it's also it's not it's not denigrating yourself. It's yeah. humility is like I also I had a teacher once who said the the. The rightful position of every Christian is a humble confidence, humility because it's not us. Humility is outside of us, thinking outside of us. Um, but confidence, being like I have this status, I have this gift. It's the it's the gift part that's really significant. Um, that it's nothing I've done. It's 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 what leads Paul to be able to say, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Yeah, um, along those lines, like. Andrew Murray, um,
0: he says, humility is perfect quietness of heart. It is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me. And when I am blamed or despised, it is to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my father in secret and am at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all all around and above is trouble. Hmm. And so um i i would i would think insecurity is a part of that sea of trouble mm-hmm. that we can get lost in our thoughts with and that's why i think that that idea of finding our when someone's home is not in jesus when i like home for our soul when our when our home is not in jesus then we are getting battered around by our own thoughts by other people's words by our fears and expectations and worries and all of that is like right in line with what our insecurities would be.
1: Hmm.
0: And um, I, I think that what God does with our insecurities when we find our home in Jesus is he actually helps us to see our weaknesses in line with his power is made perfect in our weakness. Mm -hmm. So we actually can look at our insecurities and our weakness and our fears and go like, that's where God wants to, that's where God's power is going to be most evident in my life. And the areas that I'm trying to control and use all my strength and energy to, like, cover and hide is the exact area God wants to use to show his might and power in the biggest ways.
1: Yeah. One, it's really really freeing also to be able to, like, I'm constantly battling with this, as I assume everyone else, including you, like, continually battling with this idea of, like, I I am the central object where people are always looking at me. And there's these these brief moments of freedom when you're like, it's not about me. Even my weak, like as you're saying, like my weaknesses are opportunities for God to fill. Uh, Anna and I were watching this show, and in the TV show, there's an interview with like a therapist and the and the patient, and and she's come to like this great realization, and she's having victory as far as the the show is expressing when she says, "I finally feel like I am the, the main character in my story." And like that was like the end of like the the, the highlight like the conclusion to the whole show is like she's finally the main the main character but I think that's when insecurity breeds most is when we find ourselves to be the main character like the world revolves around us wherein like when we recognize like we are we are characters that are to be worshipping the one who the story is actually about it's like that's where freedom is um and our entire culture seems to press against that idea. We were talking about this as well before, like, <clears throat> the good news of God cares about you and is thinking about you means far less when you're assuming that everyone else is already looking at you. So there is something really sweet with that David Foster Wallace quote when you can stop and realize, like, people probably aren't... It's like the middle school realization. You look back and you're like, I was so self-conscious because I thought everyone was looking at me all the time. And in reality, everybody was looking at themselves all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's there's true freedom when you stop and you go. No, this is all about this is all about God, and I'm just here to get to kind of like almost like a flower, like ha- like live off of the light that He is offering, like the sun.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, um, you know, I, a good filter to run this through is. If if we all know that we have insecurities and that those are all very real to us and we can name them or at least feel them, and and we look and say Jesus is the perfect human, mm-hmm. how did he you know deal with any of those insecurities or or any of those any of those things? And the most real that we see Jesus dealing with some of those inner things is in like. In his relationship with the Father, mm-hmm. in his prayers with the Father, and he's like everything in his life is connected to that connection. Mm-hmm. And so, I think he filters out all of that through just pleasing the Father, glorifying the Father, worshiping the Father, focusing in on the Father. And too often in our own minds, we said this this last weekend or weekend or a couple weekends ago, like. You can't always control what comes into your mind, but you can control what you cling to in your mind, what you think about often. You can control like how often you consider something or think about something. And many of us don't do anything with those thoughts of insecurity. We actually just let them control us or, or they're, they're so often thought about that they're actually not thought about in healthy ways and Jesus i think takes those and says does this please god for me to think like this mm-hmm. think about myself like this think about others like this and um and so that that union that he has with the father is where a lot of that just it's not that he just gets rid of it there but he he i think ultimately you there's no place for it there because you realize like this doesn't help me yeah this isn't glorifying God. This isn't good in my relationship with God. It's not good for me to keep thinking about these things. So why would I? They kind of lose their weight and their value and their purpose. Because with God and only with him, when you find your home in Jesus, you already have a purpose fulfilled. You already have a relationship fulfilled. And so those insecurities don't actually serve a purpose, serve a role. And so you just find there's no utility to them. There's no yep. usefulness for them.
1: Yeah. One well, Jesus continually and his ministry points back to like, I do nothing on my own accord. I do nothing for my own authority, like under my own authority. It's all the father. Like he's continually pointing back, as you're saying to like, identity is found in, in God. He's showing us the right way to, walk, the right way to walk. But when you, like, he's, he is fulfilling the pattern that we see even in the Psalms where the Psalms almost, I just over and over again. They start with this, uh, like sad or rejoicing or whatever like the status of how things are going in let's say David's life right there. And it's not bad for us to stop it, like we're we're learning like it's okay in the psalms to like look around and go man this sucks or like this is great. But continually in the psalms the way that it that each of those prayers, those reflections end is is submitting and pointing back to the character of god it's like here's my circumstances i'm taking it i'm taking it to god i'm pressing through to like understand i'm complaining or crying or whatever but at the end it's always god is like this though like pointing back to how god reveals himself in exodus to moses like um uh, but god i know you are compassionate and kind full of loving kindness you forgive all this it's just it's a fascinating thing that like we're called to live in our identity we're called to live in our strengths and our weaknesses but also to just submit it underneath who god is to really be connected to who he is and that's what changes us that's what gives us comfort that is what uh, what is our strength as you're saying like what paul says in second corinthians or what jesus says to paul in second corinthians
0: yeah, I, I think uh, it's I, I think insecurity should give us an awareness that we are incomplete without him, mm-hmm. but not an awareness that we're like incomplete and we need the validation or the approval of others. Yep, uh, Insecurity makes us aware that we're incomplete. But the question is, what then makes us whole? What then makes us complete? And we're often starved. Because we're trying to find completion in things, and mm-hmm. stuff, and consumerism, in even in in marriage, in relationships, in a role that we're playing at mm-hmm. work, and none of that will truly drive out insecurity, or fear, or weakness. Only when that is, only only when that's taken to the Father, and we say, God, we're incomplete, and He says, Well, that's that's another lesson in the gospel that well i gave you jesus Mm -hmm. so in him you would be whole you would be completed by christ you would become a whole person which is ephesians 4 he wants to build us up into complete maturity into complete wholeness and that's not through a process of health a process of better thinking a process of like we've just like taken our wounds and we move forward it's a process of learning to surrender all to jesus and only with him does does that maturity find its its like completion yeah so
1: it's interesting on each of those things you you describe like sort of like relationships jobs status like whatever like as soon as we attach our identity and our security to one of those things maybe we do we we are doing really well at one of those, um, or or it's going well. As soon as that breaks down, because every single one of those things will break down at a point. Like, say, my identity is in my and found in my marriage, and Anna and I are getting along really well. Like, something happens where we get an argument, then I fall to the ground and everything is broken, and I don't know what what I'm doing, or like people put their worth and beauty without recognizing like. One time I heard Travis in a sermon, He, you can't really see it. It was like a choreographed dance where he pointed up and then dropped to the ground. And he said, gravity only works in one way, talking about beauty, how we all get saggy. Um, but like at a certain point, the thing that we've attached to there is going to let us down as well. And the the, the hole in our heart is just going to be bigger because of it.
0: Yeah. It's it's why sometimes we're going through hard times N- not because it's truly that difficult it's because we've made whatever crumbled in our life so important to us mm-hmm. that when it did fall we didn't know where we were yeah. and jesus is constantly trying to show us reality mm-hmm. and that he's if we have him like this is what paul is saying like mm-hmm. if we have jesus like we have all there's yep. nothing he, there's we're lacking nothing yeah. and we can only begin to believe that whenever we do see like, Oh, like when stuff starts to fall, I'm still fine because I haven't lost him. And he's, he's still true North. He's still the the foundation on which I'm building my life. And so really, I, even if I lose what was most important to me 10 years ago, five years ago, two weeks ago, if I didn't lose him, I really haven't lost anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still whole and complete and, um, we and we said it, it's it's to do with humility. So this is like insecurity and humility, probably for a good reason. But like um, Dallas Willard says, his his three step plan for like kind of applying humility is to never push, never presume, and never pretend. And when you think about being complete in Jesus, and and Him not just being like you're, you're obeying, but like your inner life is something that you're giving yourself wholly to. And you find your identity in Christ and your all of your life in him. Well, you know, Galatians two twenty, like it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, then there's no reason to pretend I don't have to hide or, or pretend to be something that I'm not because I'm just who I am in him. Mm hmm. Um, I don't have to presume anything about you, what you might be thinking about me. That doesn't have to be the way in which I'm now navigating life because presumption has lost its importance
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't have to push because I'm, I'm actually just building what he wants to build in my life. And so it, that's where it's like, okay, that's a perfect connection between what Dallas Willard is saying and what Andrew Murray says, which is like, it's perfect quietness of heart. I'm not swayed by your what I'm presuming. I'm not swayed by me pretending. I'm just swayed by the fact that I am becoming the person that, that Christ has called me to be. Yeah. And that's why, like, no matter what happens in life, my proximity to Jesus is the real measure of how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So now when someone's like, how are you doing? I should be able to filter it through. Well, how's my relationship with Jesus? Yeah because if i'm doing poorly it's a spiritual thing that informs my emotional it's a spiritual thing that informs the physical it's yeah. a spiritual thing that informs the financial it's not the it's not the inverse of that where like the finances inform my spiritual the physical informs the spiritual no it's like how am i doing with jesus because he's informing everything
1: else yeah when it reframes everything even as we've talked about like Uh, being a follower of jesus is not just like agreeing to a set of facts it's that it's that he is like the treasure of your heart um the fact that like eternal life heaven is at the right orientation towards jesus it's like complete satisfaction in him so rather than the desire to to be a christian to go to heaven or avoid hell so that you can go and like see all your heroes or be around the people that like whatever or fly or none of that stuff is like when we reorient our understanding that like heaven and what we're made for is just to be connected to to jesus in this way like that changes presumably i'm i can't say that i practically (laughs) understand all of this every single day at all but like that changes how we live if we can, because you can access a little bit of that now. Like you can, ha- you can walk in the abundant life now by having right uh, relationship and direction towards Jesus, and, and exactly what you're saying, exactly what Paul says. Like by the grace of God, I am who I am. I am. They like Jesus loves me no matter what this this stuff is that I've brought to the table or the stuff I'm working through, and like He's going to root it out of me if I if I stay connected to him if I abide in him yeah that
0: uh, Micah 6 8 the what is what is the definition of good well we we seek justice we love mercy and then the 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 last piece of that is like everything we're talking about here if you if you so it's walk humbly with your God Mm -hmm. to walk humbly is to walk with an accurate perception of who you are with your God and you can't do that without walking with your god. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like that's what good is. The good life is walking with god. And so often we've added things to that definition that are unnecessary or at least they're the bad first step. It's like if we can just walk with an accurate view of who we are with god, our life is good. Yeah. You know. There's no there's no way it wouldn't be good because that's the that is what our soul aches for. hmm It aches for a close connection with our Creator.
1: Do you know uh, obviously our oldest son's name is Micah. Do you know what that do you know what his name means? Even as you're quoting Micah? huh My dad was reminding me this weekend, Micah means who is like the Lord. So it's like a perfect who cares about me? Who is like the Lord? No one has the answer. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. So like that's our job is just to look at him yeah. and to revere and to worship in that.
0: That's so. Uh, this this is probably off on a different tangent, but it feels similar. When Daniel is brought into um, Babylon, and and the first one of the first things that they do is um, they rename him, mm-hmm. him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They rename him which is so dehumanizing Mm -hmm. their names. And I don't know each of the meaning of their names, but like Daniel is a similar thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's who is like the Lord or something like that. And when they rename them, they rename them after the gods in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And so like the moon God and the sea God and all these kinds of things. Um, But Daniel doesn't ever give himself that different name. He, he always like, it's always hmm. Daniel. Yeah. Th- that, that like, st- that's so, um, like they rename him to Belteshazzar or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he, but he always uses like that name. Daniel is always the one given in the, in, in that book because the, like, like ultimately, I mean, you talk about somebody who could have had insecurities just like deeply placed in them because they were taken into and babylon it like when they're in their teenage years mm-hmm. real young but that identity wasn't swayed because of the close connection that he stayed with God he continued to pray he continued to um use the disciplines of of the diet of water and vegetables you know mm-hmm. and um and and so even even that being so critical to his identity that it did, that he, he didn't like fall in and on in on himself and lose sight of who he was all all from just walking and staying connected with god in the midst of all sorts of people like pushing against just super interesting
1: yeah that, uh, yeah
0: what we sure. get from names
1: do you know what matthew means no it means gift of god
0: what does what does Matt mean? Because you don't go by Matthew. It just
1: means gift. Oh. <laughs> can I can can just for a second before we close out? Can
0: um, Do
1: you know can what, I try and come up with what Travis means?
0: Uh, Travis already has a meaning. You know? Can what it I means? guess?
1: Can I guess? Yeah. Uh, Travis means uh, th- th- uh, throws rocks at moving trains. Travis means. Uh, Travis loosely translates to. A uh, guy who sells you black market pegs for your BMX b- bike.
0: You were somewhat close with throwing rocks at trains because Travis means at a crossroads. Does it really? It really does.
1: Can I keep going, though? There's, yeah, sure. Uh, Travis means uh, at least one of my teeth is not real.
0: <laughs> I heard it. Hold on. A, That's not, <laughs> you do. People will think that I... I Anyways, go ahead. I, all I of once, my, all I of my heard, teeth are real. I,
1: I once heard somebody making fun of. I don't know what they were talking. About. They said uh, they said something about is a, a comedy thing. They said uh, in in somewhere in in the Appalachian Mountains, there's two brothers named Travis who were fighting over their dirt bike or something like that. <laughs> the book both names for Travis.
0: <laughs> no, it it just means um, at a crossroads. Do you know what Calvin means?
1: I'm not my gonna. son Calvin. It's fun. It's fun to it's... make fun of your name. I don't know if I can. <laughs> <They're good. laughs> we
0: named we named Calvin. At, we didn't name him for the meaning. We named him after his granddad or my granddad. So his great granddad Calvin, who who died actually the year the spring before Calvin was born. Hmm. Um, Calvin means the bald one. Does it really? <laughs> it's like <laughs> the bald one.
1: Dang. So. He doesn't love the meaning of his name when he shared it. He, he, he didn't like <laughs> uh, Travis loosely translates to a uh, man in his late 30s with cages in his ears. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, there is something interesting. Like in the, I mean, most of us in the West, like when we name our kids, it's really more... Is, would you say it's more aesthetic-based, maybe a little bit more vain, like how it sounds or how it looks? than it is really like purpose and meaning
1: what is what are uh london and Emma? what do they mean i don't i don't know what i, I
0: need to go and look at Englishwoman is london well we spelled it with a y though which is again that's a, it's almost like there's an aesthetic thing about it. we're like we want to name her london but not the not the city london we want to name her
1: uniquely. you remember that you made fun of me for liking things not liking things that were popular yeah,
0: well, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we get along. Wait, what's Emma? I don't know, I'd have to look up. I I don't know like the mean That's what I'm saying. Cole, like, are you the, listening? We don't have the meanings. What does Anna mean?
1: Um, I don't know, I didn't name her. <laughs> uh Benjamin, Benji, Benjamin means uh it means youngest son or son of my right hand or and don't tell Micah this. Because this was accidental, it can mean favorite son.
0: So it's possible to have favorite. We shouldn't full circle to to insecurity. insecurity. Did did you go? Did you name your sons like with biblical names? Is that what you guys went for?
1: Uh, With Micah, yeah. Well, Anna Anna would press for some like hippie, new age name. I was gonna make one up, but I don't want anybody to feel ostracized if it's their name, like Shadow or something like that. That's not what she wanted. (laughs) Xander. And I said no, and then I would counter with, like, a really deep Bible name, like Jehoshaphat. And she would go, no. Like, oh, my God?" She, All right. And then uh, Benji, we had—this is a really silly one, actually. Well, uh, we have uh, some friends who had a dog named Benji, but I like the name before that. And so we're waiting for, for Benji, to the dog, to—
0: Wait, is his—is it Benjamin Benjamin. Yeah. Okay. Did you think poetic. it was just Benji? Well, you started talking like you really like the name Benji.
1: We named him after uh, Israeli President Benjamin Netanyahu.
0: Okay, which is that that's great.
1: But no, we didn't.
0: <laughs> Again, so the meaning of names is not. We don't like say we're like. There's not this kid's name. I really is, liked. I really and, liked
1: Micah's. The, like, you like the meaning of of Micah. Okay. Uh, Travis loosely translates to a barbed wire tattoo. I don't have one of those. Not yet.
0: Not against it. I just don't have one of those. Matt means you aspire to having great knees, but that's all. You aspire to it, and it's just not the reality. Bye, guys.